You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games. As long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Howdy everyone, welcome to another Broken Meeple Show podcast. Sorry it's been a while since the last one, uh, I believe the last one was three weeks ago, rather than the two that it normally is. Well, there's a good reason for that, I took a break. <laughs> I took a much needed break, and not to say that I suddenly feel refreshed and yes, everything's all glorious now, but I really did need a break. Not because of blog burnout, I think it was just burnout from general, and a lot of that was more caused to my day job, which is really crunching me right now. We're so understaffed, I've got a ton to do as this whole, you know, developing me into the uh, the role that I need to be, and yeah, it's just quite a burden to keep up with it all. But, let's uh, shift the camera a little bit over there. But yeah, it's, it's not bad. I mean, I basically went to the Yorkshire Dales. So the Yorkshire Dales is a, very nice scenic area in the UK, uh, somewhere about five hours up the well, up the road, five hours up the country. You know, it's a bit of a long drive, but it's up north, essentially. It's got some very nice scenery, not quite as good as the Lake District. That's my favorite area so far in the UK to go for scenery. But it's still got some great moors. It's got the free peaks, which I did. Basically, I went for four days, and the four days was primarily to walk up those free peaks. So I did, uh, what did I do? I did Ingleborough the first time, and I did Pennygent, and then I did uh, Wernside on the third day. And I think around that, I went into a couple of caves and saw something called the Big Stone, which is like a sort of viewpoint for the rest. But yeah, I had a pretty good time, it must be said. And, you know, there was definitely, you know, a lot of photos that I took. And I'm thankful for everybody who, you know, who got in touch. And, well, when I was posting up a lot of photos on my channel, I'm glad that a lot of people responded and were just, like, glad to see that I was doing well, really. So... Cheers for that. I wonder if I can bring some up for the uh, the deluxe folk here. But yeah, I had a I had a good time. There was plenty of you know plenty of sights to see, plenty of uh, pubs to go into for a pint after I was done. But yeah, I just came across some very good like scenery. So you know, I'm I'm a keen hiker when it comes to hills. So like hills and mountains, because I like to have the challenge of getting up said mountain and then having an excellent view from the top, as well as the physical endurance channel, um, channel, physical endurance challenge of getting up the mountain in the first place. And these weren't exactly the easiest of ones to do, although I have done worse. Believe me, I don't think the uh, I don't think these are going to compare to the Lake District uh, mountains that I've done. And I've still yet to do uh, Ben Nevis and Snowden in UK but yeah that was a nicer day for these ones uh, especially with Instagram filter on but yeah I had a really good time uh, doing this and sadly it was only for four days so you know that was all I could really do you know <laughs> I couldn't fit it in people needed me at work I couldn't take the whole week off I wanted to carry holiday forward so that I could have it for conventions which I've got booked up but I you know I got what I needed I got four days break to just clear my head not think about the blog you know I Apart from posting up photos, I didn't put up any video content during those four days. I just tried to take it easy and all good. Other than that, the channel's doing well, actually. The subs are picking up a bit, uh, which is good to see. You know, there was that like that quiet period near the sort of first quarter. Now it seems to be going at a fairly steady rate, you know, for a small creator anyway. And yeah, I'm, I'm pleased that things are picking up. Uh, in terms of recent video content, you have got... Uh, the most recent one, I put up a Court of Miracles review, the Lucky Duck area control game. Uh, I put up a faction buyer's guide for Beyond the Base game, which is still going. <laughs> it took a break. It, it didn't take a break. I just didn't have any expansions to do. But I did an Empires in the North buyer's guide. Uh, I did my first impressions of Fall of the Mountain King, uh, the, uh, the Kickstarter game that's already finished. Uh, the Ticket to Ride review for the 15th anniversary Europe edition. Uh, Vienna Connection review. And I talked about what I culled and bought in May. But yeah, some cool stuff there. 
If you're wondering what's happened with collaborations, they have not stopped. It's just, obviously, I don't want to just rinse and repeat the same people all the time within a short period, but also because people are busy. People have got families and lives, and it's the summer, which means people are going on holidays and that. Some have moved house, but... I do have stuff in line. I mean, I'm going to team up with uh, Covery Studios. Um, are going to, like Ilka and Taylor, I'm going to team up with them soon. It's just, um, you know, they are they have just moved house and they've got a lot of personal stuff to get on with. So I'm letting them just go at their own pace. They will tell me when they're ready and we'll do something together. That's guaranteed. Um, uh, Billy and Deanna uh, wants to come on the channel. I need to have a chat with him at some point. So maybe I could try something for this Saturday if he's able to work on short notice. I don't know. But uh, if not, then we'll get Billy and Deanna on some. Uh, I'm still chatting with Paul Grogan, trying to get him down to come on the channel at some point. He wants to. It's just trying to nail a date down for him because he's such a busy man, bless him. And also confirmed definite, Ryan and Bethany will be returning to a collaboration with me on the 5th of July, Saturday uh, evening. That will be, so far, I mean, this is subject to change, but I reckon this will be the topic we do, which is a Patreon request anyway, top 10 small publishers. Now, the problem I'm having with this is what do you actually define as a small publisher? Uh, you know, do you go by revenue, size, number of employees, how many games they've done? It's kind of odd, and I don't really know what the best definition is to use. So I'm a little concerned that we're going to talk about 10 publishers, and we might have very different aspects as to what we consider small. So I wouldn't mind hearing you guys in the comments talk to me about this. You know, is it? Wow. We got thunder and lightning today. Very, very frightening. Uh, we were told that it was going to get a bit worse there. So uh, you hear the odd... Uh, if you hear the odd bit of thunder, that's basically the gods trying to destroy my channel like they always try to do. So, yeah, all pretty good. But let's get on with the topics of the day. So, first off, let's go on to uh, games I've played. Games I've played. Oh, boy, yeah, you're in for a treat with these lot here. Uh, first up, let's try, try, I think. Um, uh, let's see. I know what I'll talk about. First, I'll talk about Cryo. Cryo is a game by Luke Laurie and Tom Jolly. And I played it once. Uh, my friends taught me it on Tabletop Simulator. And this one was better than I expected it to be. I was a little concerned that I wouldn't necessarily like it. It looked very dry. The cover didn't look that particularly inspiring to me. Z-Man games, I don't know what, I've, what they've done recently that I've gone for. But this was a kind of a mix of worker placement with action selection. It was kind of jack of all trades really but it had some nice little sort of retro style artwork and it certainly had some good components although bear in mind i played it on tts so we're really talking artwork here but this was a game where you're trying to you've crash landed on the moon you're trying to get underground into these tunnels and you do that by putting your drones onto these spaces and gathering resources and trying to maneuver your like uh, skate pods and essential people into the caverns for points and various other bonuses you play cards which are the various machines and they can be deployed in several ways multi-use cards i'm a big fan of that they can be the machine that carries people down it can be a special ability for the rest of the game or it can be an end game mission objective and there's other ways to score points but that's kind of the like the basic overview of it but the idea is is that you go on these spaces that uh connect to like orthogonally other places like other actions or tiles that you can pick up it's definitely got some dwellings of eldervale vibes in here with the whole like oh i can take a tile with resources and i could spend it immediately for resources or i could put it on my board and let it be an action to get more resources when i recall my drones back it's like hmm sound familiar yeah it's basically airlifted out of dwellings of eldervale but that's not necessarily a bad thing and some of these spots are used up. There's a little bit of interaction where players trigger these little events around each one. And sometimes they might sabotage certain uh, pod sanctuaries. So basically they can kill off each other's people's uh, people, which sounds um kind of harsh, <laughs> somewhat rude. But nah, I had a good time with this one. I, I was a little concerned at first because I thought, oh, is this going to be super dry and not that interesting? But the mechanics were pretty smooth. It didn't take long for them to explain it. And having played Dwellings of Eldervale with some of these rural similarities, a lot of it became easy to learn. But it looks nice on the table. And I just, I just found it a nice, simple, yet variable midweight euro. And it's one that I wouldn't mind playing again. Not enough that I thought like, oh, I want to go out and grab a copy. But I was pleasantly surprised by it. It's definitely one of the, probably one of the better games I've played this year. Because 2021 hasn't exactly had a ton on offer. But it just sort of came out of nowhere. There was no Kickstarter for it. It just sort of appeared and went, hello, I'm on retail. Which, to be frank, is actually quite a good thing these days. I'm getting sick and tired of everything having to be on Kickstarter. 
But yeah, this was this was pretty good, and I would look forward to another game with my friends uh, to go over this some more. Maybe I'll... Uh, I probably won't end up grabbing a copy of it, because, I mean, I did like it, but I don't think it was enough for me to go, right, I'm going to keep it, especially when my friends have a physical copy anyway. So I'll probably just play their copy when they bring it round. But no, I was pleasantly surprised. So give Cryo a look if you're into a mid-weight Euro and are, like, looking for something with maybe just a bit of a different theme for a change. Okay. What next have I got planned? Uh, let's see. I also played... Ah, uh, yeah. Eh, yes, you've been going on about this one all the time, haven't you? You've like said, Luke, play this game. Play this game now. Now, 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 now. Yes, okay, fine. I have played in the Hall of the Mountain King. Will you get off my back now, people, all right? I know I have played it. You can see my rating there. Eight out of ten is what I give it so far. And I say so far because obviously it needs more plays. But I've played it a couple of times now. And yeah, so far it's been a very solid game. It's the... Well, technically, Fall of the Mountain King was a prequel, if you're talking chronologically, but this is the first one that came out from Burnt Island Games, and uh, it was the one that's been out for a couple of years, and people have said, Luke, 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 you gotta buy it, you gotta buy it, you gotta get it, you gotta get it, you'll like it, like it, like it, like it. And it's like, fine, Jesus, you fanboys, will you just get off the back of it? And I I, I bought it, completely on a whim, uh, not the Kickstarter version, I bought a retail version, although because I have played this, when I backed uh, Fall of the Mountain King, because after playing that one, um, you'll have to check out my first impressions video of it, but I did back it in the end, and I also grabbed the upgrade kit so I could get these funky statues and stuff for Hall of the Mountain King, because I enjoyed the game enough that it's going to stick in my collection for a bit. But... This is cool, uh, an interesting mix actually. It's it's kind of it's a mix of polyomino tile laying with some uh some resource management, definitely some resource management, and kind of action selection in a sense. I mean, like maneuvering stuff on the board. It's kind of interesting. You're basically a bunch of trolls and you're building tunnels through the like the rock face the map and that and you're gathering resources via this weird system which oh, i say weird it's a fun system but it's basically a pyramid of trolls so you start off with some basic ones a set of four of them i think or they got five here i thought it was just four four three two i'm positive it was just four three two so i don't know what that is maybe that was an early version or something or maybe it's oh maybe it's based on players uh but the idea with this is that you have the trolls in that pyramid and what you do is every time you get a new troll it goes on top of the trolls you've already got and it cascades downwards and you get all the resources that that troll would produce but if they've already got resources on the troll they won't get any extra so you've got to move them into your storage somehow in order to free up the space so you're kind of doing occasional bouts of get resources it's not like you get a resource every turn it's more right i'm doing this with the resources mm, i've kind of run out right i need to do another batch boom get a new troll batch of resources and then make use of them other than that though you are building these tunnels over the board from your starting little uh, entrance you're finding these statues you're grabbing resources from what you unearth and with the statues you're trying to get them on pedestals which are worth different points depending on the variable setup but also depending on what tier you're in so you've got the dark gray the gray the red the orange and yellow tiers on the board and so the further like the closer to the middle you are the more the statues worth and it's a pretty neat game. I mean, I it's a bit of a rules dump at the start, but there's not that many phases to each action. And before you know it, for something that's actually quite thinky, I mean, you can really put yourself in a corner if you're not careful. It was surprisingly really, really good. I really enjoyed it. It, it gave me a lot to think about, but didn't bog me down with a ton of... Uh, like unnecessary questions or FAQ moments. The rule book did a very good job of answering every query that the other players had. And bear in mind, I was teaching players who are not used to this level of game as well. So I was quite impressed. It was a mixed, uh, the first game I played was a mixed group. Me, my friend Daryl, who's more used to this sort of game and a couple of uh, uh, girls who come to our club who aren't as used to this level of game, but they picked it up pretty well. In fact, one of them gave me a run of my, I think I won it in the end, but someone, I won it by one point. Daryl lost by one point. Um, he'll have a go at me for saying that I was uh, stopping him from min-maxing and then I won by one point. It's like, well, <laughs> min-maxing holds the game up, okay? It doesn't matter whether you win or lose. Uh, but the, you know, the girls picked up pretty well and I think uh, one of them was only five points behind Daryl. So, you know, we, we had a very close finish. And yeah, it's made me, I played it again since uh, with three players and I thought it worked pretty well then as well. I'm not sure how this would work with two, but I don't think this is a game I'm ever going to play with two, so what does that matter? But 
yeah, uh, it looks good on the table. There was a lot of pieces. The setup is certainly a bit of a bugbear, I will say. I'm hoping that maybe there'll be an insert for this at some stage where we can, you know, get like a better insert for this. I'm actually saying now I'm getting the Kickstarter upgrade. So that will give me the, uh, the game trays. But then that's not going to fulfill for another year. So I could do with something before then. Or I'm just going to have to live with the fact that it's a bit of a bugbear to set up until then. So fine. Wow, the uh, heavens have really opened up outside, it seems. But yeah, I enjoyed this. So yeah, you were right. In the Hall of the Mountain King was solid. Uh, anything else to say about it? Uh, the spell cards, I really enjoyed those. Not sure if I can find an easy picture, but basically you've got these spell cards, which are like abilities that anyone can trigger on their turn. And in doing so, they... They use a jewel in order to do it, but once they get so many jewels, they recycle and a new spell comes out. Really cool for adding some extra variety to the game and some cool tactical choices. So yes, in Horn the Mountain King, solid game. Thank you, everybody. Now get off my back. <laughs> ah, take a drink. All right, now here's the one that's gonna shock a lot of you. It's gonna shock you big time. Cocopelli, at least that's what I'm, it could be Cocopelli or it could be Cocopelli. I'm going to pronounce it Cocopelli because I have no idea which way it's meant to be. Yeah, you can see it right there. I've given it a preliminary rating of eight. And you're thinking, well, okay, fine. It's a queen game. It's Cocopelli. It sounds interesting. What's it about? Um, don't worry about what it's about just yet. You should be more concerned about the name that is here under designer, Stefan Failed. And that was the sound of everybody's heads exploding for the fact that I have played and enjoyed a Stefan Feld game. Now, this hasn't been released yet, I don't think. It's 2021, but my friend who um, does some volunteering for Queen Games had a copy of this. And yesterday, literally yesterday, when we were going to a local bring and buy sale at my FLGS, a friendly local game store, we played a game of this. He brought it around and I thought, you know what, I want to play more of Queen Games stuff because I don't think I've given them enough buzz in my time, yet I have Runestones, which I absolutely adore. Alhambra is a great game as well. And I thought, you know what, I kind of give, need to give them a bit more attention. So I thought, okay, let's play this one. But he said it was Stefan Fell and I thought, I'll play any game once. There's sometimes a hidden gem. We played it. Within 45 minutes, we were done. An hour tops, and that was including the teach. Although I think it was probably about 45 minutes including the teach, because really the teach took like two seconds. And yeah, I like this game. I thought it was really solid. Now, will it stay at eight? Maybe it'll go down to a seven. Could even go higher. Who knows? I need to get a copy of this game and play it and give it a proper review. This is solely based on first impressions. But my first impressions were good. It's really interesting. Each player receives a card deck, their own card deck. And oh, bear, by the way, yes, it's got pit pretty pictures of like old uh, South American uh, ancient caveman drawings. I'm not entirely certain what the culture is, but uh, it's not thematic at all. There is no theme in this, so don't even think about it. But, you know, you basically have a card deck and all these different sets are basically their own card set. So all the different colors, they got iconography to tell them apart. And each one has a special power. You have a ceremony board, as it's called, in front of you with four bits for columns, and every player has this. You can play cards to start ceremonies on your four columns on your board, as well as two on the neighboring players. So there's actually some player interaction here. But what happens is that you're trying to get sets of four, because when you do, you get the top point marker on each set, and it's four points, three points, and then only one point, so it's diminishing returns. And you keep going until all but one of them have been used up, and then you get one more turn, and then the game ends. But this was a really neat game. For starters, it had a really good reference aid for all the different abilities, but they're not complicated abilities. It's not like, oh, I can't understand what this ability does. Nope, they are dirt simple. Like I say, the game was explained in about two to three minutes. It really isn't complicated. But you place them, oh, blimey, it's uh, going to be a monsoon out there. I should stop referring to it, really. But with this column setting, you place cards down and you've got... Two actions, you've got five different actions you can do, like play a card, draw a card, play on the neighboring ceremony, draw cards, that kind of thing. And each one has their own power that breaks the game in some respect, like breaks a rule. So normally you can only play on your neighbor's two, 
closest columns. Well, the red card here says that you can play on all four of the neighbor's columns, so you've got a bit more flexibility. One says draw an extra card when you do. One says get an extra point when someone completes one of your ceremonies. One says that your wild cards count as two cards for the purposes of a set. There's all very simplistic stuff like this. But the idea is, is that you're playing them down to try and complete as many sets as you can so you can get the points quicker, but you're also utilizing all those different powers. But once you complete the set, the set goes away and now you no longer have that power. So you're playing cards not just to try and get a set, but you're also thinking, well, what are these powers could combo well together? It's not even really a, I mean, well, this is the big thing about it. Why do I like this one? Dirt, simple and elegant. Something that we really could do with a lot of games these days. Thirdly, this card combination thing with the decision between whether to use it for a set or keep it around for its powers. Such a cool, cool decision to make and you make some really cool combos with these cards. There's some decent player interaction without being too mean. I mean, you've got to be a little mean at times, but they get a little benefit for you completing their ceremonies. But at the end of the day, you've got to be wary of what your opponents might do. You might not want your set to be completed. You might have really liked that power to stick around. But it's just, it doesn't feel like a Stefan Feld game. And I know I'm being a little bit mean to him. You know, he's a lovely guy, but I'm just, his, his type of games don't gel with me. But this one just doesn't feel like a Feld. It really doesn't. Nothing about this. It's not what I would consider a point salad. It doesn't have a ton of like tiles that you pick up with random resources on them and stuff like, you know, Castle of Burgundy style thing. Pretty much you just have the cards, which are basic. I mean, this isn't going to win any art, uh, like aesthetic awards, although you get a board, the cards are good quality. I mean, you probably want to sleeve them eventually with the amount of use they get. But other than that, they're pretty good quality. And these are some nice little tiles with the thing. It's striking color wise. You know, it's a decent production. You know, it's Queen Games at the end of the day. But yeah, I think this was on Kickstarter, although to be fair, Kickstarter for uh, Queen Games basically just means pre-order. Uh, as we all know but there's not many pictures of this so i can't really go into the game itself uh, a great deal but yeah this was a really big surprise i mean i mentioned the other two surprised me this one like completely blew me away as to how I, wow i like this and you play with let's see i think you play with 12 of the ceremony sets but there's four others which it tells you like not to use with it or is it six or twelve I forget, you play with a certain number, it might be 10 and 6, but basically some of them you'll play with in the normal game, and then it says here's some that are a bit more advanced, don't throw them into your first game, although frankly they're not that advanced, so you could really mix and match what you like, but then after that, yeah, you can pick whatever number of sets you want and just throw them in, so the games are going to be different each time, and they could just expand this with more sets, and you would just mix and match again. This is a nice, neat like card combo builder with a you know a hand management game with a little bit of player interaction i really was genuinely surprised by this one i want a copy of this stat i want to give it a proper review blitz or detail i don't know probably doesn't have enough in the game to be a detail review but i certainly want to give this a review and hopefully it will get released at some point this year soon so i can get a copy and i mean it was certainly a complete copy that we got so it can't be much longer before it comes out but i know it hasn't released in the uk officially yet so i'm curious when it will get released uh i mean rado's already done something on it um paul grogan has already done uh a tutorial on it although that was eight well i mean these are eight months ago when it was first on kickstarter so i'm curious as to when it will actually uh like actually come out on retail but yeah i definitely want to give this one a look you know don't believe the rank in the uh average rating at the moment because it's not had a proper release yet so yeah i'm definitely up for this one Right, whew, let's move on to another topic here. Okay, uh, let's do a channel shout out. Let's do a channel shout out. So, uh, pick of the week this time is a nice little channel called Board of It. 2,250 subscribers, uh, pretty simplistic uh, logo, but as you can see, they got a thing about their two dogs. And the dogs make quite a common appearance in all their videos and all their various bumps. Like even their intro video has their two dogs. And to be fair, dogs are cool, so why not? But essentially, they are, as you would expect, a review channel. They try to keep their reviews to less than 15 minutes where possible, which is cool. I mean, I think 15 minutes is a good length 
for a review in general. I know some of mine go to 2025 and more, but then if I've got to give the detail, I've got to give the detail. And I've got more special effects than, you know, these and others do. So that sort of stuff takes time in the video. But I don't agree with this whole, oh, I've got to get a review done in five minutes, 60 seconds, three minutes and all that stuff is that that just doesn't make any sense to me you want to give me an informative review you gotta put the time into your video but you know this one is a nice pleasant channel they've done some fairly popular games and they certainly cater more to the medium and heavy games route so i mean we, this one has done extremely well view wise although that's mainly because it's oath chronicles of empire and exile which at the moment is the hotness for people to want to know about so goes to show you put a video out at the right time you will get the views for it uh, but they've done Eclipse, uh, Barrage, Dune Imperium, Star Wars Rebellion. I mean, yeah, they've done some light stuff, as you can see. But uh, Kanban EV, Praga Kaput, Forgotten Waters, Root, Scythe. I mean, these are not light games, people, okay? These are not light. So definitely, if you're more into medium and heavy games, I would check them out. They've also got an interesting uh, series for, like, they've done some playthroughs. They've done some what we plays. I mean, I know I'm not a massive playthrough fan, but... They've done some playthroughs, you know, if you're into that, then go for it. But one thing I quite like, um, which is a decent little series, is they've got a series called The Best Board Games for Two Players That Aren't Specifically for Two Player. Now, that's a bit of a long-winded title. You might want to try and shorten that because that must be an SEO nightmare to try and uh, get SEO scores high for a title that long. But basically, they talk because they play as a couple... They go over games which are great for two that weren't necessarily two-player only games and uh i mean this one's going over tapestry which i don't like the game but oh well fine you know but if that works with two it works with two uh cracks for quedlinburg that looks like um what else have they got best one let's say nidavara oh nidavalier nidavalier yeah so apparently that's a good one with two as well i wonder if i can they got like a see if i can see some more on that front uh because they you can usually tell what it is. Oh, what we played, my city, the best scores beyond the sun. I can't seem to see specifically. So I guess it's kind of ad hoc. Oh, wait, here's another one. Oh, that's just Tapestry. So I guess that series is a little bit more rare, but they have the series and it is one of their more popular things. So yeah, it's a nice little quaint channel uh, done by uh, Tally and Farrell. And, you know, check out their intro video that they've got here. Um, I can't play it right now because I don't want to overload the podcast and that. But, you know, they've got... Uh, you know, two lovely dogs. They've got a nice little backdrop here. They seem very passionate about the hobby. Granted, I I didn't actually know of the channel for a while. Um, I, I only heard about them a few months ago, I believe. We do follow each other on Twitter. Um, and I checked out some of their content then. I still keep in touch with uh, what they do. But yeah, by all means, check out their channel. Um, bored of it on YouTube. And see if they're a channel you'd like to take out. Hashtag support small creators. So... Let's get on to some news, and I'm going to leave this bit of news till last. So uh, I just loaded up the screen for Ares Expedition. We're going to come up to that last, I think. So let's do some basic news. First up, Bought, the little card game that I've got that I've been talking quite uh, highly about from uh, the previous podcast and that. They are now, yes, I said they were going to do an expansion about cats and dogs. They have now formally announced it. Cats and Dogs expansion, and this is literally coming in a small tuck box. That's it. And to be fair, the game doesn't need a lot of bloat. So I'm actually happy if they can just release this as a very cheap, you know, don't charge me 20 quid for it or I will kill you. But, you know, a nice cheap little expansion with four that gives you dogs and cats because dogs and cats are cool. But essentially what it does is you've got two types of cards, uh, cats, which are essentially a kind of like a perk card you put them to the side they've got special abilities that they grant you but they basically get attracted to your fort based on what you've got in your yard at the end of a turn so it's like oh cool so you might actually take cater for a specific cat but they get very they get very uh, fussy and just wander off every now and again you know as cats do you know as soon as somebody else gets their criteria as well which is cool it's very thematic the dogs are shuffled in with the normal kids and essentially you can play them they've got suits as well uh, but in order to keep them around in your doghouse, you need to obviously not neglect them. Otherwise, they, you know, they're, they're, not as, they're not as fussy, but it's a case of they're lovable and they're loyal until you start neglecting them, at which point they might get sick and tired of you and then go somewhere else. Or they just go into your discard pile. I don't know the exact ruling with those, but yeah, I'm really excited for this because Fort is a great little card game. It could do with a couple extra ways to score points or do like cool stuff. 
and these dogs and cats i think will just be a nice little boost of the game that i'll be able to teach new players it doesn't sound complicated it just adds a bit more variety to a game that's already solid that's thematic dogs and cats i think i'm going to enjoy this one so yeah i'm definitely going to pick up a copy of this when it comes out now this i only found out from the dice tower news and i'm very excited about this one uh stellar dixit universe now dixit universe i'm not sure if i want to see that as a title tagline all the time but libelude who have done all those lovely games like obscurio and dixit and mysterium that i really like that that dixit card thing the art cards well they've announced that they're doing a competitive uh game called stellar 30 odd minutes three to six players and we're not talking a big massive game here but essentially what it is is that you will Players will interpret Dixit style cards on the board after getting a common clue word. Each player will observe the Dixit cards and secretly associate these cards with the clue word, marking on their erasable little slate the cards they choose. So, you know, no more of those token things, thank God. And you basically are trying to select the same as other players to score points. So this is kind of giving me a bit of a hive mind feel, where you score more points for picking a answer to a clue based on what other players do. So this kind of feels like the Dixit version of Hivemind, which is interesting. You know, I like Hivemind a lot. Of course, you're going to have all these lovely Dixit cards, and frankly, you could probably just... I mean, if you just got the pens and the pad, you could probably just get your own set of Dixit out and use that, you know. But yeah, I'm definitely up for another game in this lineup. I'll be interested to try this one and give it a proper review and see how it goes. All right. Fruit's coming out already. Oy, oy, oy so long since i've done the podcast it seems right uh next up on the news we'll go briefly on to this one which i'm not as excited about but basically lucky duck games who are making a killing with destinies at the moment um has announced a game called divinus uh, coming out next year uh designer philip melunsky uh, i think that's how you pronounce it i'm not entirely sure but it's a competitive tile lane digital hybrid game so basically think destinies with some tile lane and legacy you're essentially trying to gain the favor of the gods and ascend to a new pantheon players will embark on a 12 scenario campaign that will see them exploring lands completing quests interacting with gods and impacting the outcome of the epic clash between greek and norse pantheons so this is basically what you're going to expect from a legacy game at the beginning of the very scenario you'll open a sealed box of new stuff and things will happen during the campaign the, there will be an app that will provide a narrative and set the stakes. Uh, you'll spend dice and do things. So it's basically the Destiny system with Legacy. Now, the cover looks fantastic. I do really like this cover. But I'm a little bit concerned because I'm starting to get a little bit burnt out on these games that are massive Legacy and campaign games. And everybody's going to get excited to this just because it's got the word Legacy on it, I bet. You know, not every game needs to be a full campaign. Not every game needs to be a massive legacy game. Because this is a 12 scenario campaign. So I'm going to have to either... I mean, it says two to four players. It doesn't even say solo. If I can't play this solo, who am I going to play this with? Nobody I know is going to want to stick around for 12 scenarios and for like an hour long and get it done. It's just, I can't get these games to the table very easily. You know, because I play with different people each week. And I want to you know teach new players stuff and that so trying to play these games if they don't have a solo mode it's just it's you know i mean to be fair i'm not entirely certain whether you'd be other i don't see why you couldn't play this solo by the sound of it but we'll have to wait and see but yeah it's just all these games where you've got to commit to so much time and the same group of people and then legacy meaning that you know you won't you only get one use out of it period anyway although this one does claim uh players can replay their unique copy with a post campaign infinite replayability mode okay that sounds pretty cool we'll see but then you you won't get the whole cool legacy aspect more than once so it's as i say it's definitely going to be a massive one that people are going to wait out for. I will cross the bridge as I hear more about it as to whether I'm interested in it. You know, if it's got a solo play, then maybe I will be a bit more interested in it because then I could probably commit 12 hours of my life to it. But to find a group that's going to be willing to do the whole two to four players thing for 12 sessions, I'm not entirely certain I'll be able to find that. And even then, bearing in mind, I wasn't the biggest fan of Destinies. Destiny's only got a 6 out of 10 for me. You know, the competitive system in there, I don't think worked. And I'm concerned that this will basically just rinse and repeat the same thing. I mean, did uh, did he do Destiny's? Or was that someone else? Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, he did Destiny, so I didn't like the competitive thing in that. Am I going to like it in this one? I don't know, but I think there's going to be a lot of people excited for it. All right. All right, let's get on to it. Let's get on to... Oh, no. Yeah. No, we'll very quickly just mention that uh, Board and Dice are starting a new line called Geek Essentials in line with Board Game Geek. Uh, Zapotec is the first one that they're going to do. They're planning to do one each year. Uh, there's not a lot I know about this game. Uh, you're building temples and villages and to generate resources for building pyramids and making sacrifices. I mean, it, it looks to me like something that should be in their T line of games, you know, Teotihuacan and that. But this one is apparently a Z game. So maybe it's now going to be a Z line of games. I don't know. Solo Moba, David Turksy, Board and Dice. This is very much their shtick. I mean, even the theme is pretty much there. I mean, you could pretty much just change the name to Teotihuacan Plus or something, because that's kind of what it looks like from just looking at the picture and reading that description. But the idea is, is that Geek Essentials is meant to be a game that will fulfill through Board Game Geek. Hmm. Not sure why I'm... And why that's supposed to be a thing, really. I mean, they're they're designing this for geeks, so board game geek gamers. So this is not these are not going to be games to play with new players by far. But then I never thought that with the T game, so I don't see what the difference is. But fulfilling it straight through board game geek. I mean, what? So you can only buy it through their game geek store. I don't see what the point of that is. I mean, aren't we supposed to be helping out retailers? So like small retailers, FLGSs. So why don't we send stuff to them? I don't know. This this is an odd move. I'm not sure if it's a good thing or not, but we'll just have to see how this develops. I'm sure they'll make more uh, of a big deal about it soon. Okay, right. Now the one that I just want to talk briefly about because this is starting to get on my wick here, right? Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition. I've not played this game. I would like to play it because anything that says that it can give me the feeling of terraforming Mars, but not make it take three hours, not make the downtime ridiculous and be cheaper and better production quality. Yeah, you know what? I would give this a good go. I would give this a full review and I would certainly like to play it, you know, especially as it borrows stuff from kind of like Race for the Galaxy San Juan style games. It's like, oh, cool. You know, both of those games are pretty solid. So I'm keen to try this one. Not enough to back it on Kickstarter because I didn't think it was uh, worth the money. And also I was kind of like, hmm, I want to try it. But that doesn't necessarily mean I want to back it. You know, I wasn't I wasn't prepared to put my money where my mouth is on this occasion. But I will happily play it when it comes out. But there's a bit of controversy going on here. The, now, this is not the best that they should have done. Basically, Stronghold Games and uh, Fricks Games made a deal with Target. Now, I could be slightly wrong here. I'm hoping I got my facts right. But... They essentially made a deal with Target and a lesser version of the game came out at Target very recently. So people can actually get a copy of this before the Kickstarter backers can. And anytime something comes out available to the public before a Kickstarter backer gets it results in a massive uproar because people on Kickstarter cannot understand the concept that maybe backing something on Kickstarter doesn't guarantee you first dibs. But fair enough, I can understand the, you know, the, the frustration that they might have. But this is what is unacceptable, okay? This is what I don't like. Notice the rating on this one, Ares Expedition. 5.5. That seems a little low for a game that uh, is very popular and people are waiting for. Yeah, when you click into it, though... You notice this game has been subject, and I know Board Game Geek's not the, you know, this is not the first time I've seen this on Board Game Geek. It's been subject to review bombing. So people are putting in like tens just to balance out the ratings where people are putting ones. I mean, look at this. 104 people have rated this a one purely because of the Kickstarter backer thing. That's it. Nothing else. I mean, they haven't even played the game. So, you know, when. Here we go. Only in the original. This isn't all that much a departure and not really worth having both. Granted, I don't have as much of a head start as the target backers, but I don't think additional plays will change my mind. Two out of ten? I think two out of ten is going a little bit far here for this. But, you know, we've got some people that have... Yeah, what have we got here? I haven't played it yet. Yeah, here we go. <clears throat> I haven't played it yet and we'll re-rate the game after that, but I'll put a ten for now because people want to rate a game for something that has nothing to do with the game. The fact that we're getting tens here, you know, where people are just putting in tens because they want to balance it out. But then you've got these ones here. Look at this one. I haven't played it, but I thought I'd put it here in between the insults that people are leveling at other gamers just for expressing their opinions. Really? 
So, here we go. Reduced card game version of TFM, not great. Really? One out of ten? One out of ten makes me physically angry and sick playing the game. And you're telling me that this one is, uh, you know, a one out of ten. I don't think it's going to be a one out of ten. But here we go. One. Review pending KS delivery. Uh, no respect for your customers' backers. No more money from me to you. One out of ten. Won't buy anything from this company because of that one. And this is, I mean, frankly, this is pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. You know, I've just got one message for people like this. Grow up. Grow up. You know, this is, look, I'm not saying that it's right for them to have come out with something earlier than Kickstarter backers. Okay, fair enough. It's a fault of the publisher. They shouldn't have done it. But here's some things that you should consider here. Firstly, does it really matter? They're getting a game a few weeks maybe before you do. Whoopty friggin' do! Can you not afford to wait? I've got 200 games here in this collection. There are games that I've been waiting for for a while. I only just got Kemet the other day, and we ordered that a long time ago. I really could not have cared less if Kemet took another month to arrive. It's not like I'm short of games to do. I mean, I've got to get through a ton of, like, Nemesis stuff after just putting the insert together for that. And it's like, how soon do you think I'm going to get a game of Nemesis to the table? It's, like, insane. And I've got all these other reviews and stuff to do. I even bought some games on a tangent recently. I mean, I've got Eminent Domain there I bought. I've got Dominant Species Marine I wanted to try out. And all these other games, I'm really not that fussed. If somebody gets a game two weeks before me, it's really not that big a deal, guys. But here's another thing to consider. The version that is coming out in Target is a lesser version than the one you're getting on Kickstarter. You are getting a better version of the game. The one in Target, I've seen photos and people have given me feedback on this. It's got flimsier boards. It's got like worse components in it. It doesn't have much of an insert. I can't remember. I think the card quality is slightly less. But basically, I don't know the full details, but certainly the... Target version of Terraforming Mars has a less qu lesser quality than the one you're going to get on Kickstarter. Yours is going to be the best quality, shiny and new, with all the bells and whistles. Is it really a big deal for you to just wait a few weeks to get the better version of the game? Why are you jealous and envious of people who get to play a small little card game before you just when they've got a worse version of it? Sooner or later, you're going to get your funky version in and you can go, well, you know, you've got your target one there, but look at my nice one. Look at my precious. Look at my precious. You know, why is this such a big deal to everybody? I don't get it. And it's just, it's the same with like The Last of Us 2, that video game controversy where everybody was like giving it 10s and 1s because of various, uh, shall we say, PC matters to do with it. I mean, I... I mean, to be honest, I didn't think it was that great, but I would have given it a five, six, maybe. I mean, it had good graphics and it was a fun gameplay, but man, the story sucked. But, you know, that, that, that's kind of my view of it. But one and ten? Come on. And here, it's just, here we go. Not buying anything from this company. BG rating is hilarious. Put ten to balance out the ratings. Uh, yeah, there are some fair ratings here. I mean, some people have put in like eights and sevens and sixes, you know, and sort of nines even. But these ones here. Integrity between publishers and the gaming community should always come first. One. Uh, you know, here's a fair review. 7.2. Solid game with a lot of card combos and strategic paths. Only played Solitaire so far, but it's clearly a very solo game. I'm interested in the two-player co-op, but otherwise not sure it will stay long-term. There you go. That is a fair review from somebody who's given a mark, a solid mark, 7.2. That is still a seal of endorsement and has commented on the player scaling of it. Okay, maybe that's a thing. We'll find out. But Kickstarter comes first. One. Uh, Ted, still waiting on my Kickstarter copy. I can't believe the people here are blasting this title. So... You know, 10, what a bunch of entitled crybabies. Go to get the game at Target, folks, and play for yourself. These ratings do not represent the gameplay. It's just, ah, uh, it's just stupid, all right? So stupid. You know, just be patient for your game. I've never considered Kickstarter to be a thing where I'm guaranteed to get it first just because I backed on Kickstarter. Backing something on Kickstarter is you putting your money behind the publisher to be able to print the game in the first place. Not so that you can get it first every time. You might get more exclusives to Kickstarter, like more miniatures for those sort of games or, uh, you know, better artwork or a game tray insert, that kind of thing. But... No, it does not always guarantee you get it first. Sometimes 
it doesn't come out first. Maybe they have to take it to Essen. Maybe shipping delays. You know, we're in a massive shipping crisis right now. Maybe production delays because of COVID makes certain that it can't come out to Kickstarter backers first. You know, we've seen this happen in the past. Just deal with it. Seriously, just deal with it. I don't know. I'm going to rant too long and I need to get onto the topic of this uh, thing that I want to go over. But because what are we on to now? We're already on to how long have I been doing this? Uh, 44 minutes. So I want to devote some time to my topic of the day. But yeah, seriously, I'm going to play this game. I'm going to give it a fair review. I'm going to buy a retail version of this. I didn't back it on Kickstarter. I'm going to do a retail review of this, hopefully, if I can get a copy. And I want to try it out with one to four players. I'm going to try out the different player accounts and see if this could be my ticket into Terraforming Mars. Because the big version didn't win me over. Maybe this one will. And that's what I want to find out. But please, people, stop it with your adolescent, childish, whatever, I don't, I can't even figure a phrase, just stop it with this puerile nonsense of review bombing a game just because you're a little bit miffed about Kickstarter. This is probably going to get me so much blowback, I don't know, but I'm honestly just like, seriously, just grow up, you know, it's, oh, what's my catchphrase? It's only a game. Remember that, it's only a game. Whoo, blimey, I went off on the rails there, but Anyway, let's talk about something a little bit more, uh, a bit more interesting. So, uh, one topic that uh, Patreon has wanted me to talk about on there. So I, I basically gave my Patreons a thread, and they can put on lists of topics they'd like me to talk about on the podcast. And this one I wanted to do actually because I've seen it done by other people, and I feel I should give my two cents on there. And this is a much more happier topic after that last little rant. But I want to talk about how to find a good game group. Although, to be honest, it doesn't even have to... Well, ideally, you want a good game group. I suppose that goes without saying. But I'm talking about finding a game group in general. Because you get people on Facebook, and I've had questions like this before, where people have said, you know, what? how do I find a game group? You know, I've moved to a new area. I don't know anyone. How do I find a game group? You know, what are your tips? So I just want to go over a few basic tips, which may sound like teaching your grandmother to suck eggs. But, you know, maybe some people aren't aware of this kind of thing. And I just want to go at it from somewhat of a personal standpoint as well because I was in a situation where I had to do similar things before I got into gaming. So what you can do is that you can go to a site called meetup.com. I run a club called Portsmouth on Board from here and it's a solid, you know, what we we enjoy the club and it says 818 pobbers. That's a load of tosh, all right? People join things on here solely because they like the topic. It's kind of weird. I mean, it says 818 poppers. I'm probably going to bet that 100 of them people are even in the area and the other 700 aren't. It's kind of weird why people are on this. I think they forget they sign up, but I don't know. It's kind of weird. But, you know, my groups, I've got, uh, I've joined a bunch of groups. Not, I don't actually attend all of these. I just wanted to have them. But, you know, I joined uh, Portsmouth Young Professionals, Peterfield, Card and Dice, Guildford Gamers. Guildford's too far away for me to go, but I wanted to just see what they were doing. And it suggested other things like some walking groups because it knows that I like hiking and that. So there's a few interesting bits. Uh, even remembers that I like badminton and as hmm, next level badminton. Nah, I ain't got time to take up badminton again. It was a sport I used to like though. But I can type in, let's see, board games uh, within 50 miles of Portsmouth. And here we go. So what do we have here? Brighton Lunchtime French Board Games and Conversation Club. Brighton Pub Board Gamers. Ascot Gaming Nights. My Portsmouth Club, Fleet Board Games Club, Woking, Alder, um, Alder Valley Games, sorry, uh, Brighton Role Playing Games, uh, Language Learning and Games Meetup, Woking Role Playing Tabletop Games, Conversation Cafe and Games Night, and uh, there may be more. Oh yeah, Bracknell and Maidenhead Board Gaming, Reading, Petersfield, Romsey, Brighton, Surrey, Guildford, Board to Death, Brighton. You know, I mean, granted, it's going in my local area. So if I was to type in a different venue, like different area, you'd get ones near you. But this is what I'm getting at. Meetup.com is a great way to find people that are into the hobby that you're interested in. If you've moved to a brand new area, this is the first point of call I would suggest. Go to meetup.com, type in board games, go search within however miles you're willing to travel and see if anything pops up. And if they do, join it, get to know the people and you might have just found your group. Fantastic. That's definitely the first thing I would suggest. Uh, after that, I would also consider going on to Facebook. You know, go onto Facebook because there's a lot of board gaming groups on Facebook. And there's certainly going to be 
you know, a lot of places, here we go, like Board Game Training and Chat UK, Board Game Revolution Community, uh, My Ports of Board One, Board Game Group, Southampton on board, you know, there's, yeah, that's our other club in Southampton. But basically, you could go on to one of these groups. So let's say I'm in the UK and I go on to Board Game Trading and Chat UK, whatever. It's the main one we have. You know, not flawless, but pretty decent. And, you know, here you can look at threads. You can see all the different, like, when it loads. I mean, the internet uh, is trying to catch up with the fact that I'm recording this. But, yeah, you can see threads on various board games. But you could simply just go into this and type in, you know, what's on your mind, Luke? Hello, I've moved to a new area in uh, Badgerville, whatever you want to call it. I don't know, making up names. And I want to find local board gamers that are into these sort of things. Here's the games I like. Anything near me, please. And people will respond if they're in the area. You know, it's a friendly bunch of people. You'll, you'll be able to find in the Facebook groups somebody who's in your area that goes, Oh, yeah, you're near me. You know, you want to meet up for some games? I've been feeling a little bit lonely. You know, nobody's around to play games. Why don't we meet and grab a drink or something? this will happen. And in America as well, you could just go into an American Facebook group and do it. You know, I'm just talking from a UK perspective here. So, you know, definitely consider these Facebook groups. I mean, if you're not on Facebook, then I understand, you know, you're not going to be able to use this uh, like option. But if you have a Facebook profile, then consider doing it, even if it's like your partners or something. But in that, you know, meetup.com doesn't require you to have a Facebook profile. So you could always use that. Uh, as a lesser extent to that, you could actually go onto BoardGameGeek. Now, this isn't one that I would recommend to work, but there are forums on here, so you could go into uh, the forum section. Uh, they've got all forums here, but uh, you can go into, I think, some sub... Uh, let's see, you've got gaming-related, uh, looking for a specific game form, so you could search. they got a lot of different things here, but if you could find a specific forum for you, Put in a thread saying, I want to find people that are, you know, uh, you know, I mean, they've even got separate categories for, you know, LGBTQ and women in gaming and stuff like that. So if you, you know, if you're trying to find a specific, uh, you know, subculture of people to hang out with, then by all means, you should be able to do it fire here. But yeah, just put up a thread and say, I'm looking for gamers around this area. Maybe somebody will pop in the thread and say, hi, I'm from this area. Why don't we meet? I'm not sure how effective it will be on BoardGameGeek, but I think if you've exhausted Facebook and, and Meetup.com, then probably this is your next best bet. Uh, the next tip I would give you is your friendly local gaming store, because you what you should do is like go go for a little wander around your uh, local city or town center. Uh, you know, look on Google search. You know, Google search board game cafe or board game store and find your local meetup. You might you might not necessarily have one in your area, so fair enough, but if you do, this should be one of the first things you should try in order to find other gamers. So, for example, if I was to search in my area, I would get the Dice Board Game Lounge, which is where I hang out. So they've got their own Facebook, they've got their own Twitter, they've got their own uh, sort of basic website, which could use a bit of an overhaul, but, you know, it's only a basic website. But... You know, this is the place I go to, you know, not my two friends run. And if you know that there's somewhere local where there is a venue like this, then that should be like the first thing you should do as soon as you realize it exists. You know, if I was in, if I'd moved to Portsmouth and I heard that this place existed, first thing I would do is go there. <laughs> is I'd go there, talk to the owners and ask them. I mean, this, uh, I mean, oh God, yeah, there's the back of my ugly self there. Oh my God, that's, that's going back a bit. That was my old logo. My old, well, actually, it wasn't too bad logo. It was kind of run of the mill thing, but yeah, that horrible white shirt I used to wear, in, and God, I still look fat there. But you know, yeah, this was a—I think that was their celebration party when they first opened or something. So it was kind of like a big thing. But yeah, I could go to this place. Tells me about it. You know what kind of games they have. Uh, you know, they've got you know things like a traffic light system to say like you know how easy it is to find other people to play they got a membership scheme they do special events like blood bowl and magic and role playing and stuff like that and uh, wednesday which is the just come and meet people um i link up my portsmouth group with that so people can come to the portsmouth on board meetup knowing that if they're new to gaming i'll be there to help them teach games as well as everybody else there but yeah this is the sort of thing that you would try to do you know find a local venue that is related to your hobby go there and you know play some games you know find out let them explain maybe they maybe there's a club like mine you know the Portsmouth on board club 
I go to Dice Portsmouth and host a club there. If you go to Dice Portsmouth and say, I want to find new gamers, one of the first things they'll tell you is that my club exists. It's what they do. And so would any local like gaming store do. So go to them, ask them, ask if people have inquired about the same question. You know, is there anybody else who's come here and asked that? You know, if there isn't one in your area, it's a shame. But as I say, I'm just giving you multiple tips that you should be able to draw something from. You know, meet up, Facebook, board game group, friendly local gaming store. You should be able to do one of those things at the very least, even if some of them aren't available like Facebook or having a local gaming store in your area. And yeah, they got a nice, uh, <laughs> I love the logo for staggeringly good. It's a local brewery. Um, they actually do some pretty good ales and I'm not normally an ale fan, but uh, yeah. So as I say, look out for a local store. But then of course, there is the the last tip I'll go over, which is host it yourself. Start something. You know, if you have a situation where you don't have uh you know anything around like there's no local gaming store or people have said you know this is probably something you'll want to do after you've had a look on meetup and facebook and maybe had some people say oh there's no store near us or anything like that but i am interested to know about gamers or i would like to meet up then why don't you start one yourself find a local pub or venue that's willing to take you know 10 to 15 people for games and has adequate table space find a local community center or village hall or something depending on your area and use that to you know rent it out how much would it cost to rent x amount of pounds then try and get some people on facebook you know you're going to need social media to help you with this one though i mean if you're not into social media you're going to find it very hard to organize this kind of stuff you need an online presence for these kind of things all right you've got to get with the 21st century eventually but, you know, with the use of online social media, you could host a Facebook group or a meetup.com group. That would be good. You know, use that site. Use the meetup.com and start your own thing. Get people interested. Say, look, we've got a venue. We could meet up every Friday night uh, for three to four hours, play some games. We've got some basic tables. Bring your own snacks. Uh, you know, or maybe there's a little bar there that you could buy stuff from, you know, depending on who runs the center. And get some interest get people willing, and then you might find local people that are willing to play your games, or any games, they could bring their own games, you know, you might not be the only person in the set in that boat, for I don't know where to find local gamers, there could be other people in the boat too that you just haven't spoken to yet. So definitely consider that if all else fails, just do it yourself. Because if you do it yourself, you're guaranteed to have a club in place. You just need to hope that there's people locally to there. And I, I can't imagine that there's anywhere anywhere that you would be, certainly in the UK, where if you started up a club yourself, you would not be able to find at least somebody who would be interested in turning up. They don't even have to be a board gamer themselves like this. They could just be have a basic interest in games. Or maybe they just thought, you know what, I've heard that board games are becoming a thing now. I'd like to just try it out. Perfect. You don't need to find people that are veteran, like, heavy Eagle Griffin, like, Lacerda gamers or whatever, or war gamers. You just need to find something that's right for you. Or just find something gaming-related in general. So that's kind of five, like, tips I would have. So meetup.com, definitely consider that website, okay? Uh, you know, even if you're not into Facebook and Twitter and that, you should be able to use meetup.com without the use of social media, although it would help. Um, Facebook, definitely use that if you've got a Facebook profile. Ask around the groups, ask who's around. And then if you want to go for the third tip, you know, start your own, then use Facebook to host a group, a group that people can join. You know, you might be, you'd be very surprised how many people would just find you by a search on Facebook. Um, but of course, you could do that via meetup.com as well. Board Game Geek, go to that website, ask in the forums, is anybody in the local area? Ask on a thread, you know, you, you won't necessarily be able to start up a thread specific, to, well, I suppose you could start up a forum thread specific to your group, but that will come in the long term. I know I'm just talking about the initial stages here. And definitely, as with dice on the screen right now, you know, go find a local game venue, a store, in this case, a game cafe, but maybe you've just got a place that sells games in that, you know, go to them, ask them, maybe they know of a place, maybe they know of people, or maybe, as I say, if there's a game cafe near you, that should be the first point of call to try and find a club for gamers, you know, it's got to be doable, so 
as I say, those are five tips I would have, but if anybody is listening uh, and watching on YouTube and that, and has any decent tips that they want to offer, then by all means, get them in the comments, because I think this will be a useful thing for people to know, and I've only gone over five here, maybe you've got another five I hadn't thought of, as I say, get them in the comments, make certain that they're good, and like I say, if people like them, then be sure to leave a thumbs up on their comment, you know, because I think this is useful for a lot of people to know. So yeah, you know, that's, that's the deal. That's this podcast episode done. We're up to just over an hour. Yeah, these podcasts are certainly getting long to fit all these up. But hopefully you've had a good time with this. So I'm going to sign off and get on with editing this before some Valheim tonight. Plus, I've also got to uh, open up a bunch of boxes. I've also got the, uh, um, what you call it, the I've got a top 10 endgame conditions video I need to start editing for Wednesday if I can get that released by then. But then I've also got a bunch of folded space inserts down below that I'm opening up and assembling in order to do another showcase video for them. The problem is there's so many of them and there's only so much time at the moment. I mean, I've got Nemesis done. Nemesis has been fully assembled. That took ages. You know, Abyss and... Uh, Zyre, Legends of a Drift System, is downstairs drying. That should be dry now, so I should be able to get them in the boxes. But I've still got to do Baron Park, War of the Ring, uh, Rajas of the Ganges, and there was one other, and I can't remember for the life of me what it was, but I definitely ordered it. So there's a lot of those inserts, and I want to do them all in one video, so bear with me, guys, okay? It's going to take me a while. Or maybe I'll do two videos. Maybe I'll do two videos so I can space it out a bit. We'll see. But as I say, there's a lot of cool stuff to come on the channel. More top 10s, more showcase videos, hopefully more collaborations soon. So hopefully you got something to look forward to. So take care. Thank you for listening to me rant and rave for the last hour. Hopefully I didn't put you off with any of my like crazy topics. So take care. Don't forget to hashtag support small creators. And remember, as always, and I cannot stress this enough after the rave, I was the rant I was doing earlier, it's only a game. Take care, everyone. Love you all. Bye for now.